days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. Back in Today's podcast is brought to you by FantasyFeud.com, a premier destination for daily fantasy sports. Fantasy Feud offers daily contests for all sports and a wide array of game offerings. Play in their high-stakes $1 million NFL championship or try one of their NFL season-long leagues where you draft a new team each week. Join Fantasy Feud today and get a 100% first-time deposit bonus with promo code 4 for 4 that's four F O R four. About ten minutes, then it's like back on the bike to play hide and go get it with the young by the bungalows, then switch Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast, presented by Four for Four Football. It's week seven in the NFL. I'm four for four senior DFS editor Chris Raybon, joined as always by my co-host Four for Fours, TJ Hernandez. What up, TJ? What's up, Chris? How you doing this week? Doing well, TJ. Thank you for asking. Uh, and, you know, before we get into everything in week seven, let's just uh, quickly talk about the song that played us in. It was back in the day by Ahmad off his 1994 self-titled album, Ahmad. You said that song was in your head all week, TJ? Yeah, man. I think I just randomly heard it this week. I can't remember, but that's one of the uh, all-time one hit wonders of the 90s and one of the best uh sing-along tracks that i could uh that i could remember yeah definitely you know 1994 you know that that's like pretty much just when i started listening to music so yeah I, yeah i was, I was in, I was in fourth that. grade i was a young and listening to rap <laughs> same man. With my walkman Oh man, yeah. You didn't even have the uh, w- w- was it the CD Walkman or like the the actual? No, the wide cassettes, bro. I was going to fourth grade <laughs> with like the cassette Walkman at the bowling alley. Oh, yo, bowling alley. That's a throwback. I haven't been to the bowling alley in like <laughs> a decade. Oh man, but good stuff. Let's get into week seven. But before we do that, um, let's briefly recap week six as we always do. Go over any takeaways we had. I'll jump right into it. One thing I thought was interesting last week was Eddie Lacy, who's just a really popular cash game play, um, much more popular than I thought he would have been. His price was dropping, but he still was pretty significantly priced. He wasn't. It wasn't like he was a punt player or anything, and he had really shown nothing lately. So there were just a lot of red flags with with Lacy. I tweeted actually during the week about an article I found where he talked about how after he injured his ankle in week two, he'd been taped up and the tape, he'd have to tape his ankle outside his shoe. And he said that was really hindering his ability to cut. And what I took away from that was, you know, because he said he he was going to try to play with less tape um, last Sunday. And so what I took away from that article was that the ankle is obviously still bothering him and it going forward it probably still is bothering him and I think Mike McCarthy said as much um but just you know in cash games when you're paying that much you really want the guy to be getting the necessary workload um Lacey was playing only about 50% of the snaps since week 2 so there were some red flags there with Lacey so hopefully people didn't get sunk by him last week tj what what did you see going on in week six yeah i mean like you mentioned uh lacy was one of the easier fans for me and this is a really uh, great example uh, for the listeners of taking um relevant stats things we look at for um each position in dfs and and putting them into context i mean uh, we both always talk about how much we like heavy home favorites uh, when it comes to the running back position. But like you mentioned, you need to be getting that necessary workload. Um, the writing had kind of been on the wall for Lacey. His touches have progressively went down. 
um, and mostly in favor of James Stark's touches. And then um, a stat that I always reference and one that I know you've definitely referenced in your writings are touches inside the 10 and even more importantly inside the 5 when it comes to running backs. We want that touchdown upside. Um, going into last week, the Packers had 21 uh, touches to go around inside the 10-yard line and only two of those had went to Eddie Lacy. Uh, so even if you did think that uh, them being ahead by a lot would result in more touches. Uh, the Packers had already told us that he is not their primary um, goal line option. So you have to just look at all these relevant things. That's why this is a hard game. There's so many things to look at. You have to know how to piece the puzzle together. Uh, but outside of Lacey, um, a couple things stood out to me. Uh, we'll talk about this a little bit more in our theory statement, but the rise of the cheap quarterback. Uh, we saw Matthew Stafford go off. We've seen quite a few uh, very cheap or cheapish quarterbacks have really good games, and um, it's kind of bringing up the argument of whether or not you have to be paying up for quarterback. Uh, that might be a whole other theory topic within itself. Um, but what that really meant for me was that these defensive stats, these uh, adjusted stats that 4 for 4 puts up by position, uh, these stats are holding true. The reason we've been able to use these cheaper quarterbacks is because uh, they can exploit these uh, very bad secondaries I referenced. Um, the Baltimore-San Francisco game, the Detroit-Chicago game last week on the podcast as two games that I thought were um, – they had not – so high over-unders um, according to Vegas, and Vegas is much smarter than me, but that both, both of those games featured really bad secondaries on both sides, um, and it proved to, to be true that we can target those poor secondaries. Um, so I think that is something I'm going to be looking for moving forward, um, you know, trying to get a, a piece of some passing game when they're facing a secondary like Baltimore. Definitely, and that was a good point you made about the cheap quarterbacks. Um, I know one thing that I actually noticed this week that I was looking at, and um, 4 for 4 DFS subscribers, you might have noticed the same if you checked out our stack value reports, which are really cool, by the way. Mm -hmm. They are basically value reports for every two-man, every three-man, and every four-man stack, as well as for every running back defense stack. Um, But what I noticed was that the... Most high-value stacks are usually cheap. They mm-hmm. usually have a cheap quarterback, and they usually have a cheap receiver. Um, yep. If you look at, if you sort by the most expensive receiver on the stack value reports, you'll find that most of the value for those stacks is on the lower end. So that's something to keep in mind because I noticed, and it's been going on all season, really. In tournaments, you'll see a ton of Brady Gronkowski stacks, Brady Edelman stacks, really expensive stacks that it's really putting a lot of pressure on that stack to reach value. And your lineup is really going to struggle to cash in a tournament if they don't come through. And kind of like last week where Brady threw a touchdown to Edelman, he threw a touchdown to Gronkowski, but both of those guys didn't clear 60 yards, I believe. So it kind of really just put you in the middle of the pack. And that's, again, what we always talk about with trying to play some contrarian plays, just some differentiators, because, you know, guys could have a good game without having a complete outlier that'll put you ahead in tournaments. And then you're just stuck with 30% of the field who also has the same stack. So definitely great point, something to keep in mind going forward. Speaking of quarterbacks and Brady, He's facing the Jets this week, so TJ, I know you're looking at another stud quarterback. Uh, tell us who you're looking at for Week Seven at the QB position. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Brady, and he's always going to be a fine option. Um, but at the top of the uh, the pricing list this week, Andrew Luck really stands out to me. Uh, he's eighty nine hundred dollars on Fanduel and seventy six hundred dollars on DraftKings. Uh, as we've discussed a lot on the pod, uh, we we see a little bit more value on DraftKings for whatever reason. Uh, he's nine hundred dollars less than Brady, um, Andrew Luck, that is on DraftKings, whereas on FanDuel they're only a hundred dollars apart. But uh, the this game, the the Colts against the Saints, it features an over under um, fifty two points, which is the highest of the week, and the Colts also have the highest um, implied point total of the week, over twenty eight. So they're expected to score uh, at least four touchdowns 
Um, New Orleans ranks 31st in 4-for-4's adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterback metric, and they are one of just uh, two teams to rank in the bottom 10 of both completion percentage allowed and touchdown rate allowed to opposing teams. Um, Opposing teams have been completing 65.8% of their passes against the Saints, and they've been scoring, uh, they've scored on 5.5% of of passing attempts. Usually an elite number for a touchdown rate for a quarterback is like somewhere in the 5.5% range, um, maybe 5 if they're really insane. So that 5.5% is a really, really high number. And then we saw Luck come back from the shoulder injury last week. Uh, it, it was a little bit of a game script thing. They were trying to keep pace with the Patriots, but he did have his, um, he did have his best game to date on the season. Um, it looks like that shoulder is going to be okay. And... I expect going into uh, going into this week against the Saints, he should be able to light it up. So he probably has one of the highest floors and um, also highest ceilings of the week. So if you can fit him in, uh, he's a guy I like. Uh, dropping down a little more in price, there are two quarterbacks at a very similar price range that I think are probably top plays of the week. Um, unless you decide to punt the position. Uh, Carson Palmer, 8200 on FanDuel and $6,700 on DraftKings. Um, Baltimore ranks dead last in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Uh, we saw him just get roasted by Colin Kaepernick. Um, I don't need to explain to you why that's bad for a secondary. Uh, the, you know, uh, um, the Cardinals have the third highest implied point total of the week, uh, just under 28 points. Uh, Carson Palmer has been... He's been scoring at a, a ridiculous rate. So, I mean, you could look at this one of two two ways. I mentioned that you know an elite touchdown rate is slightly below five percent of attempts. He's he's scoring on seven point three percent of his pass attempts. So uh, you can say that he's due for some natural regression, but also the Cardinals' offense just looks like one of the best in in the league. Um, so we can't expect them to be you know among the top scoring teams every week, and that's usually going to mean uh, a couple Carson Palmer touchdowns. And price slightly below Carson Palmer uh, is Philip Rivers, who uh, I think week in and week out, uh, regardless of the matchup, he's argue- arguably going to be one of the safest plays. He's probably going to be in discussions as a cash game play every week. Philip Rivers, $8,000 on FanDuel, uh, $6,500 on DraftKings. Uh, San Diego just doesn't have a running game to speak of right now. As I expect, and I think we've talked about um, early in the season, Chris, Melvin Gordon just isn't living up to expectations. Now he's um, dealing with injuries. Um, Danny Woodhead is a pass-catching back. Uh, Brandon Oliver is a little bit of a of a hybrid, but he's primarily like a pass-catching Darren Sproles type back. Uh, so the, the Chargers are going to throw it, and Rivers is efficient. Um, high volume is going to throw for a lot of yards. Uh, he... he he leads the league in passing attempts. He leads the league in passing yards, and that's very relevant on DraftKings. Uh, you know, DraftKings, you get that that three point bonus for uh, 300 yard games. So you know that's a big bump right there. That's almost a touchdown um, just for a 300 yard game, and you get the you can get the quarterback that leads the league in yardage uh, priced as a ninth quarterback on the main slate. Uh, he's he's efficient. Philip Rivers is. Um, I've talked about this in the past. Um, He's right on pace with his career touchdown rate of 4.7%. That's right where he's at this year. I've mentioned before that's the seventh best touchdown rate all time. So with Rivers, we don't have to look at that and expect to regress. He's done that over his whole career. And um, active quarterbacks this week, he's second in completion percentage behind uh, Tom Brady. If if we look at 4-for-4's red zone and scoring tendencies, uh, San Diego scored 87% of their offensive touchdowns via the pass. Uh, so they have an implied point total over 25. They're expected to score a lot of points against the Raiders. Um, they're at home. And if they do score, we expect that to be through the air. So I, I, I probably have Rivers as my top quarterback play this week, considering price and floor. Um, Chris, do you have any thoughts on quarterback? Uh, no, not really. You pretty much covered it. You know, I know we talked a little off air about, you know, the possibility of punting the position depending on what happens with Marcus Mariota. I think yeah. Zach, on FanDuel anyway, you know, on DraftKings, I think there are so many 
cheap options anyway mm-hmm. that you don't really need to ever punt the quarterback position on DraftKings necessarily. Um, but on FanDuel, uh, Mettenberger would be uh, 5,900 going against the Falcons. That would probably be good game script for him. They'd probably have to throw at some point in that game. And Mettenberger has shown he's willing to take risks, throw the ball downfield some, so I don't think that would be a, a terrible play if he does indeed start the game. But that's about that's about all the thoughts I had at quarterback. Um to get into running back, Todd Gurley, Devontae Freeman. All right, wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> no, nah, but um, <laughs> seriously, Todd Gurley, he is the top play this week. He's a great value. FanDuel, he's 7,400. DraftKings, he's 5,000, which yeah, is just – he's That's egregiously underpriced. I almost yeah. feel like they did that on purpose. I, I can't imagine what his – ownership percentage is going to be in the millie maker and i can't even suggest to fade him because again we talk about those three-point bonuses and cleveland is giving up 5.2 yards per carry they're giving up the third most fantasy points to running backs in the league Gurley's averaging 5.7 per carry he's nearly a lock for 100 yards he carried the ball 30 times last game in negative game script in a loss he carried the Mm -hmm. ball 30 times so You know, Jeff Fisher wants to run the ball. Gurley is the centerpiece of the offense going against pretty much the worst run defense in the NFL. Get Todd Gurley into your lineups. Uh, the Rams are a five-and-a-half-point home favorite. That line has increased. It opened around four, if I recall. So, great play, Todd Gurley. And then Devontae Freeman, we've been saying this since – week whatever the first week he started but Devontae Freeman is pretty much an autoplay his price is getting up there but if you look at his price tag he would have still obliterated value the past four games even at 8700 on FanDuel and 7900 on DraftKings he's averaged 27 touches 174 yards and 2.3 touchdowns over the last four games those are Madden on rookie numbers. Yeah, he's he's putting he's putting up like LT numbers from the old Chargers days. Like that's how ridiculous it is. I honestly can't remember any running back putting up these numbers. Like even LT, like Freeman's on pace for thirty touchdowns, more than thirty yeah, touchdowns. It's, it's ridiculous. Like his numbers, even if you include the two games that he didn't start, would still be pretty much best of all time type. Numbers yeah, if they held up. Crazy. So, you know, of course, now we always talk about regression. Naturally, there is going to be some regression. I, I've talked about this before, but Atlanta is getting a very high percentage of their touchdowns rushing, and that usually will regress. But the thing is, even if Freeman regresses, he's still – what is he going to regress to? It probably will still be top three numbers so you know you gotta look at context before you just um say okay a guy's about to regress um tennessee should not be a prohibitive matchup hasn't been so far this season they're allowing the fifth most rushing yards per game and the third most rushing touchdowns per game in the league and if you're looking to differentiate, which I know it's going to be really hard to do, but there's always a chance something crazy happens. You know, one of the guys gets injured, maybe Gurley, Freeman, maybe they don't get touchdowns this week. They just get a lot of yards. Who knows? So if you're looking to differentiate, another guy in a good spot is Lamar Miller versus Houston. He's 6,700 on FanDuel, 4,600 on DraftKings. New Dolphins head coach Dan Campbell may have afforded Miller a rebirth of sorts. He had 21 touches last week, his most since December of 2014. Miami recommitted to the run with a 50-50 run-pass ratio last week. In the other four games, they were only running on 26% of their plays. Now, this wasn't just game script related. I know they did blow out Tennessee. However, Miami ran the ball 48% of the time in the first half, and that's compared to 26% of the time in the first half in the other four games. So they indeed did come out with the intention to run the football, and that, of course, is going to be very beneficial to Miller, who's was drafted in season-long leagues is pretty much a, a, a fringe RB1, and um, he's probably going to return to that ki- kind of status, and his price has been in free fall because 
um, Joe Philbin just wasn't using him in that manner. So Lamar Miller, solid value play, maybe a flex play on DraftKings or a differentiation play if you want to get off Freeman and Gurley. So any thoughts to add to running back, TJ? No, man. I, I think this might be the most uh, cut-and-dry uh, running back situation we see all year in DFS. Um, I mean, like like you mentioned, uh, Todd Gurley's price is is egregiously low on DraftKings, and I mean Devontae Freeman. He's at a point where even if he's priced as the top running back, um, you have to consider rostering him just because that's how good he's been. That's how much volume he's getting. Uh, so I mean, I'm I'm right there with you as far as running back go. I don't think there there's any other way to go in cash games really this week. Um, so I'll go ahead and jump into receiver on that note. Um, starting at the top, uh, you know, the we talked about volume. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is just he's by far the the most heavy used uh, wide receiver in the league. I mean, uh, Brian Hoyer is just gonna target Hopkins and, and no one else. We've talked about this a little bit before um, in a small sample size. Hoyer uh, really zeroed in on Jordan together. Kind of doing what Hopkins is doing now. He's uh, Hopkins and uh, Foster are just this entire offense. Um, Hopkins is ninety two hundred dollars on Fanduel, so he's very expensive there. But uh, I think you might be able to fit him into um, to lineups this week. And then he's eighty six hundred dollars on DraftKings, which is actually a slight discount. I think that. Uh, Hopkins should be the top receiver across the board. Um, he's not on DraftKings. He's priced as the third receiver behind Julio and Odell. Um, and he actually has the best matchup out of, out of the top receivers. Um, so you're getting him at a $500 discount from the top receiver. So that alone carries value uh, considering that Hopkins has seen almost 15 targets per game and that he is um, one of just three receivers with double-digit red zone targets and he's converted 40% of those red zone targets into touchdowns. So not only is he catching the ball, um, he's being efficient with his targets and he's being efficient with his red zone targets. We always want those touchdowns. And, uh, you know, Hopkins is, I mean, if you can get him in, he's he's as safe as a wide receiver as you're going to get. Dropping down quite a bit in price, um, it's it's kind of a, a, a weird week after the the very top between like Hopkins, like maybe uh, Larry Fitzgerald, but then you drop down pretty far um, to find some some value or guys that I'm I'm willing to put in, considering I really want those uh, those running backs that you mentioned in my lineup. Uh, two similarly priced wide receivers this week are Dante Moncrief and Eric Decker, and I think they're both um, fine options uh, for both cash and GPPs, really. It just depends exactly how you're going to construct your roster, uh, which way you want to go if you want to hedge with the two. But uh, Moncrief is $6,500 on FanDuel. Uh, he's $5,200 on DraftKings, so that puts him right around the wide receiver, like 25-ish um, spot on, on both uh, sites. Uh, I already mentioned the how the Saints secondary, how bad the Saints secondary is um, when I was discussing Andrew Luck. Uh, Moncrief is averaging over eight targets per game, and he's been the uh, Colts' most efficient um, red zone target. He's he's converted three of his five uh, red zone targets into touchdowns. So, uh, you know, we, we'd expect in this high-scoring game that that Moncrief uh, is is a big part of the passing attack. And then Eric Decker, who, like I said, he's similarly priced um, $6,200 on FanDuel, uh, $5,300 on DraftKings. Uh, New England actually ranks 28th in um, 4 for 4s adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Uh, That might be a function of them you know, just blowing teams out and other teams uh, passing against them. Uh, but we're expecting another blowout here. The Jets are, are eight-and-a-half-point underdogs, and Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall are – I've talked about it before. I think they're a wide receiver 1A, one 1B one uh, type type uh, duo, but Eric Decker's significantly cheaper. Uh, if the Jets are playing catch up, they're they're going to be throwing to try to try to catch up. And Eric Decker is an elite touchdown scorer. Um, you know, he spent a lot of time with Peyton Manning, but if you look over his whole career since he came into the league, he has the fourth highest touchdown rate in the league. Um, 
uh, scoring on 8.4% of his targets, which is just like an absurd amount. And then in the red zone, I've talked about this with Gronk before, Eric Decker's scored on 39% of his red zone targets. The league average uh, since 2010 is 23%. Eric Decker's scoring on 39%. He scored in every uh, game. He scored in every game. Yeah, he, he's just an, he's, he's an elite touchdown scorer. He's, he's good at scoring. Scoring touchdowns, he's that big body. He knows how to get open. Um, he knows how to beat coverage in those small place spaces. He plays on the slot, you know. So uh, he's he's gonna score touchdowns. So I really like decorate his price this week. I forgot to mention about Dante Moncrief. Uh, there's probably a really good chance that he's gonna spend a lot of his time uh, lined up against Brandon Browner, who has argue, arguably been the worst cover corner uh, so far this year. Um, for the Saints, so that's uh, that's a little extra added boost for Moncrief. So flip a coin with those guys; they're both really, really good plays. And then if you want to save some money, um, a guy that I got into my lineups last minute last uh, last week, uh, Stephon Diggs. Um, he has two games of action this year, and he's averaging over nine targets per game in those two games. Um, he isn't priced like a nine-target per game receiver. He's priced at fifty-eight hundred dollars on Fanduel and forty-two hundred dollars on DraftKings. And as far as I've read, um, including on four for four, that even if Charles Johnson does come back this week, that Diggs has has passed Johnson on the depth chart. Um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater isn't going to light it up but he's shown us this year that when Diggs is in the lineup he's going to target Diggs uh when Diggs is played he's he's uh taking up 26 percent of the target market share and the Lions are are really bad pass defense they have the worst uh completion percentage against in the league they're allowing um almost a 74 percent completion rate which is obviously ridiculously high and they've allowed a touchdown on 5.3 percent of pass attempts i've already talked about that a couple times tonight uh you know anything around five percent is really high and they're above that Uh, so all those guys are are really nice um options and everyone except for hopkins are all really nice price saving options and they're going to let you get to those higher price quarterbacks and uh, running backs this week. Uh, do you have any anyone else I missed or anyone else that you really like at wide receiver, Chris? Oh, no, I mean, I really, like you mentioned Larry Fitzgerald, I really like him yeah. um, still. You know, at Baltimore's secondary has just been turned. John Brown, mm-hmm. I think you have to look at him as well because yeah. Baltimore's secondary is just really struggling and uh, Cardinals' offense is just so vertical that if you have a struggling secondary against them, they're going to exploit it. They're going to throw deep to Brown. They're going to throw to Larry, and it's 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 probably going to be just a uh, it's going to be bad for them on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, we obviously can't get to all the plays. The only reason I mentioned Moncrief and Decker over John Brown is because they're slightly cheaper. But yeah, the, those that whole Cardinals passing game. I mentioned Carson Palmer. Uh, that whole Car- uh, Cardinals passing game is in play this week. Oh, and I also actually another thing I was thinking about, and I uh, you, I rewatch all the games, so I was rewatching the um, the Saints Falcons game, and Drew Brees has not fell off. Like I I feel like people have kind of been oh Drew Brees is kind of falling off. Drew Brees in that Falcons game, the ball his ball placement was just ridiculous. Like he got Ben Watson, thirty five year old Ben Watson. Yeah. 10 catches for a buck 27 and a touch. And a lot of it was just Drew Brees just th- placing the ball amazingly. So, you know, you talked about the Colts game, the high over and under. Drew Brees is also a great play. And I don't know, you know, probably Willie Sneed, I would think. He's he's playing the slot yeah. now, Colston yeah. out. You know, the Colts have just been getting eviscerated in, in the slot and over the middle. So if Willie Sneed is playing the slot again, I really like him. And then, you know, Brandon Cooks, if he's, you know, I know you don't like him, TJ, but he's he's getting real cheap and Drew Brees is playing really well. So I think he's a, he's probably a GPP dart um, for me. Yes, Snead is is super cheap on DraftKings. He's only forty three hundred. Um, he's priced in that Dante Moncrief, Eric Decker range on um, on on Fanduel, so it's going to be pretty hard to get to him in, in cash games. But yeah, that that whole that whole game just in general, uh, you know, smells like a shootout. I I mean, the Colts are only four point favorites at home against that horrible secondary. So Vegas is basically telling us that uh, you know both sides are going to be scoring a lot. Definitely. 
Before we move on, just a reminder, FantasyFeud.com is the place to play one-day fantasy contests. You can now join their NBA contests, which are live on the site, in addition to NFL, NHL, PGA, and NASCAR. Contests start for as little as $1, or you can even try it free and play for points to redeem in their store. If you're looking to cash in, they have a million-dollar NFL Feud of Champions contest, where they are giving out $250,000 to first place. Through the first few weeks of the season, their qualifiers to this event have had massive overlay. Last year's winner took home the first place prize with a $2 satellite entry. If you're struggling in your current traditional league thanks to Jamal Charles, Des Bryant, or Big Ben, try a FantasyFeud.com season league. It's where traditional and daily fantasy collide. Each week, you'll face the same opponents, but you draft a new salary cap team. The weekly winner gets paid, and the points leader at the end of the season gets paid as well. Go to FantasyFeud.com today and get a 100% first-time deposit bonus with the referral code for Four for four. That's the number four, the letters F-O-R, and the number four. So uh, let's get into tight ends. The first guy to look at, and well, I guess we'll start by, you know, we always talk about should we pay up for Gronk, should we not. This week, I don't think so, especially not in cash. The Jets defense, really tough. Against tight ends, obviously Gronk, pretty matchup proof, but just because of his price tag and because of the volatility of the position and because of some of the other value at the position, which I'm about to get into, I don't think you need to pay for Gronk in cash games, in tournaments. You know, he, he'll be a contrarian play. He was low-owned last week. I thought he was actually, even though he didn't have a great game, I thought he was more low-owned than he probably should have been. So mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll be even lower-owned this week if you're looking yeah. for a contrarian play. Of course, you know, Gronk is in play there. But Antonio Gates against Oakland, 5,800 on FanDuel, 5K on DraftKings. He's caught nine passes in back-to-back games. Now, I do want to mention, because I know Gates, you know, you're probably, if you're listening out there, you're probably into DFS. You're probably reading articles all over the place or doing some research. And I know you're going to see Gates and his big numbers against Oakland. And one thing I do want to point out is that Gates numbers are a little bit inflated he's caught nine passes in back-to-back games his numbers are a little bit inflated because of game script so he's he's caught 18 passes in two games 10 he's only caught 10 passes in the first to third quarters of those two games combined so he's averaging four receptions per fourth quarter which is bound to regress San Diego played uh, 75 snaps in his first game and then 92 snaps last week so they're not going to play 90 snaps every game. So, you know, don't expect Gates to continue catching close to 10 balls a game. He'll probably settle in in that 5-6 to six range. However, the matchup is amazing. Oakland is torched by tight ends this year. They rank dead last in the NFL in fantasy points allowed to tight ends. Everybody has been going off against Oakland, and Gates has seen 7 of 16. That's 44% of Philip Rivers' red zone targets since he has returned. So Antonio Gates, great bet for a touchdown and just a solid overall play and a great matchup. And then you can save even more salary uh, depending on how you're constructing a lineup if you need to save a little bit. Delaney Walker, he's 5,500 on FanDuel, 3,900 on DraftKings. He's averaging 7.3 targets per game and a 5-for-61 receiving line, which is very good for a tight end. He has He's only played in four games this year. He's had two 10-target games already. Atlanta is 26th in schedule-adjusted points, two tight ends. That's the 4-for-4 four four metric you've been talking about, TJ. And they allowed, as I mentioned, they allowed the 10-for-127 to Ben Watson last week. I don't think it really matters whether Mariota or Mettenberger starts for Walker. Walker did produce last season with Mettenberger at the helm. So I don't think it really the quarterback in this situation really matters. So uh, any anything else to add to tight ends? No, I mean, I think you you mentioned Gates and how his numbers are a little bit overinflated. Um, I just want to point out, I don't think that you're suggesting not to play him in cash. I think you're oh, just saying no. that you know, you know, not not to expect uh, you know just a, a massive week every week. But yeah, his, his price still hasn't caught up to his production, and even if his numbers do slightly drop, um, he still has an insanely high floor uh, for that position. And, and uh, you mentioned his seven red zone targets. He's only played two games, and he's already third among tight ends and red zone targets. Uh, it's ridiculous. Like the the Chargers are just going to throw, and then. Um, 
One guy I did want to mention, uh, if you're just feeling extra frisky, if you want to, um, you know, just if you want to have one probably very contrarian guy, um, Darius Green's going to be worth a shot this week, I think. Uh, everyone is going to be rostering Antonio Gates because of the great matchup uh, at tight end, and rightfully so, um, but I don't think people will be on Ladarius. And I get it, he, he only has... Uh, nine targets since Gates has uh, come back, but they've been on the field for the same number of snaps. And Ladarius Green uh, lines up uh, 65% of his snaps in the slot. Uh, that could be really significant this week because uh, both Keenan Allen and Stevie Johnson are on the injury report. So even if Gates uh, you know, does do his thing, the, the Raiders are so bad against tight ends and against just on defense in general, and, and Phillip Rivers and the Chargers are going to throw it so much that uh, you know if you're looking for that contrarian uh, GPP play with, I've talked about it before, you want that two touchdown upside, I mean, Ladarius Green, his tar- a lot of his targets come in the red zone, and he's been efficient at scoring in the red zone. Uh, so I think that there is a chance that this uh, that the Chargers put up a really big number this week. And like I said, if Stevie and Keenan are both out, uh, there could be enough to go around between Ladarius and Gates. Um, so you know we can we can see we can see some fireworks in that game, and and the Chargers they lead the league in in targets to tight ends sixty one and red zone targets to tight ends with fourteen. Um, so keep an eye on that injury situation. Oh, I like that. Uh, I like that. I like yeah. That. Um, so you know, just a little little nugget to think about in GPPs. Definitely not a cash game play. Don't get too crazy. Um, but you know, he's a guy that I'm probably gonna get some pushback from um, from a lot of people. But you know, think about it. Uh, but let's jump into. Um, Jump into some kickers real quick. Um, you'll do defense after that. And uh, the guy that stands out to me, um, minimum salary, which I prefer to do if I can as a minimum salary kicker just because I don't want to spend too much um, if it's not necessary. Um, Andrew Franks for the Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins have uh, they have a higher um, implied point total uh, this week, 24 a little over 24 points, um, which is, you know, anything over 24 is a pretty good implied point total. Um, you mentioned Lamar Miller. There's actually a pretty strong correlation play between uh, kickers and running backs. Um, and this is this is a little um, counterintuitive when it comes to scoring. The Dolphins look like they have a really good run game now, or they showed us that they can have a good run game last week. Usually teams uh, throw to move downfield and then run to get in the end zone. Uh, Miami's been a little backwards. Once they've got in the red zone, they've thrown the ball. Uh, They have the second most pass attempts inside the red zone, but they've been very inefficient at scoring. I think think they only have um, one red zone passing touchdown. I'm sorry. Let me look. Two red zone passing touchdowns. Uh, But, uh, you know, they, I'm sorry, the second lowest red zone touchdown conversion rate. Um, so they're trying to pass it in the red zone, uh, but they're not doing it successfully. So they've been stalling in the red zone, but getting a lot of red zone trips. So that can mean some uh, some kicker points for for uh, Andrew Franks. And then if you want to jump up a little bit in price, I already mentioned that I think the Chargers are going to be one of the highest scoring teams of the week. Uh, Josh Lambeau is $4,700. Uh, the Chargers have a 25 uh, point implied uh, 25 and a half implied point total and um, even though the Chargers have been very efficient in the red zone they don't have a running game to speak of which is you know usually how teams do score so even though the Chargers like to throw it um, if for some reason they uh, they have trouble you know scoring through the pass which is always going to be a, a little bit higher variance than running the ball then uh, we can see Lambeau boot a couple in Definitely. I'm a uh, Lambo will probably be my cash game kicker this week the way it's looking. Yeah, yeah, he's a good he's a good play. Um for defense of course the Seahawks have a nice matchup against Colin Kaepernick on Thursday, but on Sunday no premium plays really stand out. The best value looks like the Rams against the Browns. They're forty five hundred on FanDuel, twenty four hundred on DraftKings, so they're very affordable. They are 5.5 point home favorites, as I mentioned earlier. The spread has moved about a point and a half in St. Louis's direction since it's mm-hmm. open, so that's a, a positive. And um, Cleveland has a paltry 18.3 Vegas implied total. 
They're 21st in schedule-adjusted points allowed to opposing defenses. And one thing that goes overlooked, and it's, you know these things are really hard to predict, but the, uh, it's not priced in, is that when, when you roster the Rams defense special teams, you get their return game. You get yep. Tavon Austin, and, and they're at home on the turf, which you know, helps you know, these guys be as fast as they possibly can. So you, it's not something that you can really rely on, but it does give you a little bit of additional upside. So the Rams are a very nice play this week. And then depending on what happens in Tennessee, I think either way, you can, you can look at the Falcons, the Titans have been one of the worst teams in terms of schedule-adjusted points allowed to defenses, even with Mariota. So the Falcons, 4,700 on FanDuel, 3,300 on DraftKings. Uh, a lot of people probably won't even roster them because the Rams are that much cheaper, but the Falcons have some nice upside there. If Mettenberger plays, he has a 3.7 career interception rate. You know, that's not very good. So, and he also has a 9.2 career sack rate, so he'll likely make some mistakes. And as I mentioned, if Mariota's in there, the Titans were still uh, at the bottom of the league and fantasy points allowed to defenses with him at the helm. So, that's it for the week seven picks. Now, let's get right into our DFS theory segment. This week, we're going to be talking about something that I think plays a pivotal role every week in DFS recency bias. So, TJ, you know, just, just start us off with what are your thoughts? You know, talk about recency bias, how it affects, you know, the whole DFS landscape pretty much on a weekly basis. Yeah, so there there are a couple angles here when talking about recency bias. Uh, and there's there's two things that could creep into your mind when uh, building your DFS lineups. One is recent player performance, and we see a lot with ownership percentage. Um, if the player does you know good last week, they're going to be higher owned this week. If they do bad, they're going to be low lower owned. Um, but it's not just play individual players; it's uh, overall lineup construction. So if somebody has a specific way that they like to build their lineups, we talked about cheap quarterbacks versus expensive quarterbacks versus paying for running backs or paying up for the top wide receiver. You know, if if that works one time, and I hear it all the time when I talk to my, I've you know a ton of buddies that are trying out uh, DFS for the first time, like oh I won money last week, and you know because they I don't know they rostered whatever it is the combination of, of <laughs> yeah yeah but I mean you know they they do some poor poor lineup construction uh, job and then but it wins the money on accident and they think that's how you're supposed to build lineups uh, so again recency bias because it worked before you think it always works that doesn't mean it's uh, it's it's process over results. Um, but you know, before we jump into this full um, conversation of recency bias, there's probably a lot of people that aren't familiar with cognitive biases, with recency bias. Um, recency bias is just like it sounds. It's the tendency to think that uh, what's happening lately uh, will keep happening. Um, you know, the the first thing you want to do, uh, Chris, you've talked about this before. You just want to be aware that th- this is a sub conscious thing it's not something um that you know you're necessarily doing on purpose but it's uh, it's positive reinforcement you did something it worked you want to do it again um so the the things that have happened most recently um those are going to weigh most heavily um on our mind compared to older events so you know just being aware that it exists uh gives you a leg up because you know if if you know that you have this recency bias and you say, oh, well, like you said, you know, Devontae Freeman's score, scoring a ton of points, I'm going to keep playing Devontae Freeman. If you know that a recency bias, there's such thing as it, at least, at the very least, you go back and review why, uh, that, why that player is doing well um, or why your lineup construction is doing well. Uh, and then, you know, it, it forces you to review your process. Um, so that's just what recency bias is and, uh, you know, some ways that it can affect you. But, Chris, um, do you want to jump in on, on maybe uh, some specific factors that recency bias might influence when building our DFS lineups? Sure. Well, the number one thing that recency bias affects on a weekly basis in DFS is ownership levels. And yeah. you you might realize this if you really study ownership levels and kind of scroll through a lot of lineups in contests as I tend to do. 
this is something you can really use to your advantage. The best players and the hottest players from it's usually just from the last week. Yeah. Um, they will be high, more highly owned the next week than they would have been if they had the same numbers, but just either had a buy last week or just didn't have a great game that last week. Now, the most glaring example I can remember from this season happened in week two. In week one, Carlos Hyde went nuts on Monday Night Football against the Vikings. And this is another way recency bias affects people. If there is a nationally televised game where yes. a player does well, that is even more recency bias because, you know, not everybody, you know, I know, you know, we're some real football geeks, but not everybody's really paying attention to every game. Not everybody's watching every game. So, you know, some people only get to see the Monday night game or they only get to see the Sunday night game. So if a player goes off on those games, their ownership percentage will go up. But anyway, back to what I was uh, going to say was that Carlos Hyde went off on Monday Night Football and the next week he was going to face the Steelers. He was going mm-hmm. to face the Steelers on the road. They were large road underdogs, the 49ers were. They were about six or seven point road underdogs. And before the season had began, the prognostication on Carlos Hyde was basically, well, he'll be a game script, game flow dependent RB2 he on a pretty bad team so you know that's what that's what everyone thought in the preseason and I, what happened was i think that one week of success against the vikings kind of changed a lot of people's opinions and carlos hyde was just ridiculously high owned in cash games in week 2 despite being a large road underdog and that was just a situation where recency bias came into effect and it hurt a lot of people. And if you had just been aware that, hey, this is recency bias, like what would I think of Carlos Hyde if that Minnesota game never happened? You know, we don't have to say he had a bad game. Let's just say there was no game at all. Let's just say this Pittsburgh game uh, versus uh, San Francisco-Pittsburgh game is in week one instead of week two, so you you don't have anything to go off of. Carlos Hyde would have been like 1% owned if that But because he had a big game the week before, he was way over-owned in cash games and tournaments. And this is something you can really use to your advantage by just looking at the guys who went off the week before and then seeing, okay, which one of these – are these guys good plays for the next week? Or, you know, are they – you know, did just something happen that was kind of fluky or that is hard to repeat the next week? Um, so that that was just a situation that that I can recall from this year that really played uh, recency bias really played a factor in. And then another example is it's kind of the opposite. It's where a player that has a certain level of expected production that just hasn't lived up to it lately, but Maybe it's because of he just faced a few tough matchups. Calvin Johnson and Matthew Stafford are a good example. Last week, mm-hmm. Calvin was pretty low owned. He was in the ten percent range, lower depending what kind of contest you were playing. And Stafford was in the five percent ownership range. Now they had faced three top pass defenses in a row in Denver, Seattle, and Arizona. And in terms of Calvin, he also faced the number two. Uh, defense in terms of schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed in San Diego in Week 1. So four really tough matchups for Calvin, three really tough matchups for Stafford. It held their numbers in check. And then, of course, what happens? They go play Chicago, who's been a bad pass defense this season, and they have a blow-up game. And this also not only shows how you can benefit from other people's recency bias, but it also shows why it can be profitable to to target price drops. Because price drops mean that a player hasn't been playing well lately, and when a player hasn't been playing well lately, he will be low-owned. And if there was no injury or no other circumstance really playing into why um, the player had a few bad games, you know, it'll happen. It's football. It's really tough to string together good games every week, week in and week out. Almost nobody does it. So that's what makes DFS so hard in the first place, and that's why it's a game of skill. But 
you know that you can really target those price drops in, in situations like that and, and be profitable. And then you know I do want to point out that you know some people might listening might be thinking, okay, well, what's the difference between Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson, and then Eddie Lacy, mm-hmm. who and the difference between the situation and something like Lacy was that Matthew Stafford was still throwing the ball 40 times a game. Calvin Johnson was averaging 10 targets per game coming in to that game against Chicago. Lacey, on the other hand, coming in, had only played 47% of the snaps on the season, including 41% of the snaps since his injury. So we always talk about this, look at workload, look at usage, because those things are more uh, reliable, they're more repeatable, they are controlled by other human beings to a certain extent in terms of just coaching staff and and play calling and things like that so you know usage and declining usage is a a real red flag when a guy is just inefficient for a given stretch that's likely to regress to the mean so that's just um that's just something i wanted to point out there so uh, now now what also can happen with recency bias is we don't want you to go and start overthinking it you know tj can you talk a little bit about you know why why people shouldn't overthink recency bias and end up shying away from a player that you know maybe they shouldn't be well i mean it, it kind of goes back to what i talked about introduction uh, when i introduced recency bias um in this little segment um what what we want to do uh as as people that realize that recency bias exists we want to go back and see why things are happening, not just what's happening. Um, so, you know, we talked about Devontae Freeman. You know, he, yes, he's having big games, but we're not, we don't continue to roster him um, just because he's having high-scoring games and scoring a lot of touchdowns. Uh, we're rostering him because he's turned into a very sound play. When we dig into the numbers, his workload is very high. His touches are high. His, uh, his red zone and goal line touches are high. Um, you know, he's been projected as, as a really strong value. So it's not to say that just because someone's doing good recently that they're going to do bad. That's not how it works. Um, it's just that we want to go back and review this process. We want to, to you know, recognize if, if they are a strong value. We're not just going to avoid them because we know of recency bias. Um, you know, we've seen it happen with Freeman. We've seen it happen with... Um, you know, my favorite player, Gary Barnage, uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, just building on that, we, we could take that a step further and, and go back to, you know, I talked about, uh, roster construction. We have, um, what, you know, one of our, our writers at four for four, um, Jonathan Bales, he's, you know, he's kind of been, uh, at the front of of writing about historical data, um, what to expect from uh, you know from certain positions, from certain stats, and Chris, you've done the same thing with with the uh, DFS playbook. Um, we have years and years of data that show us you know what price points, what stats correlate to uh, to specific scoring, and, and you know we're only five weeks into the season here, six weeks into the season, um, so we only have six trials. Uh, you know, NFL is very unique in that that you know we only get one game a week uh if if you're someone that plays daily fantasy sports and uh other sports you know there's a lot of people that play daily fantasy baseball that they don't even just have losing weeks they have losing months or they have huge winning weeks or huge winning months uh but those are those are going to even out their process is eventually going to be reflected in, in their results um when it comes to football you know Maybe you're down really big over these first six weeks. Maybe you're up really big over these first six weeks. That doesn't doesn't necessarily mean uh, what you're doing is right or wrong. That means we have a very small sample. Um, and you, over the season, you know, as far as recency bias goes, just because you're winning or losing right now, don't um, you know? Don't assume what you're doing is wrong. If, if you're rostering cheap quarterbacks and it's working. You don't go into every week of the season saying, I'm going to roster cheap quarterbacks. That's how you build winning uh, DFS lineups. You know, a lot of these sites are 
just like us, just like Vegas, just like the stats, just like 4 for 4, they're taking in more and more data every week. And prices are finally starting to catch up and get tight and actually reflect usage. So, you know, the first three or four, five weeks of the season, you know, prices aren't always um, reflective of, of particular player uh, production. Uh, now that we see these prices you know get more accurate we're going to see um we're going to see a lot of those historical stats that you and Jonathan Bales have talked about uh be reflected again so the same with the Vegas lines you know early in the season a lot of the Vegas lines are a little bit off and i got questions on twitter saying are Vegas lines really indicative of what's going to happen are they really accurate yes over the long term they are but Vegas is trying to figure it out just like we are there's a lot of changes that happen very quickly in the NFL uh, so just take that into account when building your your roster throughout the season. Every week is a new is a new puzzle to solve. Um, so just because something happened over a course of three, four, five weeks in the NFL, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a winning or losing strategy. Great, great points. And uh, I guess I'll just close out. Um, I know one of the things that one of the way recency bias really can affect you as a DFS player is. You can kind of fall down this rabbit hole of when you're creating lineups, you click on a player and click on his game log. And, you know, you can just you can just really psych yourself out looking at a game log. You know, you see that you see that big game last game. You're like, I got to get this guy in. You see the bad game like, I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, so one of the things like I mentioned earlier, like TJ mentioned, actually, you know, just being aware of recency bias really helps, especially when you're doing something like looking at the game logs. But also with recency bias, you it helps to remember what stats are most likely not to repeat. So the most volatile stats, touchdowns, big plays, those, you know, if a guy... You know, I know we talk about this with Devontae Freeman. You know, he's scoring 2.3 touchdowns a game. Will he end the season with 32 touchdowns? I mean, he could. I'm not going to put it out of the question, but he probably won't. He'll probably end up with about 15 to 20 touchdowns. He'll probably end up scoring about one touchdown per game, not two to three. So, you know, touchdowns, very volatile, uh, regress to the mean a lot more aggressively, and, and so do big plays. So, you know, guys like James Jones living very dangerously on big plays. Yeah. Alan Hearns. Alan Hearns is a guy, another guy. He's low targets, but a lot of big plays. It's 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 hard to sustain that over the long term. Um, usage, you know, targets, receptions, touches, carries, snaps played, and, and then yardage to a lesser extent. Not gained by big plays, you know, just p- consistent yardage. Those are more easily repeatable. So that's more what you're looking for. So when when you see that when you see that random guy with with the two touchdowns, you know you know that's probably less likely to happen. That doesn't mean he's going to be a bad play. He might still get a lot of targets or whatever next game. But you know just know that the touchdowns and the big plays those are the things most likely to not repeat themselves. So that can help you a little bit if you're getting kind of consumed by some recency bias yeah and and one last thing um without running too long that i think a lot of people listen to the segment rewind it and uh they'll hear us saying a lot of of what not to do or what not to look at um if you want to combat recency bias and make sure you're looking at relevant stats uh chris i mentioned the the daily fantasy playbook and uh you you give an outline on four for four of every stat for every position that's most relevant to fantasy points by site, broken down by DraftKings, broken down by FanDuel. Um, you know, before you construct lineups this week, if if you want to know what stats to look at, how to combat this recency bias, just go through that daily fantasy playbook. Um, take those top two correlated stats for each position plug them into a spreadsheet very simple or a word document whatever works easiest for you even if they're by hand and uh if if you follow chris's you know outline of those most relevant stats this is i mean this is my process i do this every week um you know these stats are relevant um it's going to tell us the volume the efficiency stats we need to look at and that'll make sure that you're not just looking at recent touchdowns or big games that's going to force you to look at the relevant data um so it's very simple chris laid it out for you guys uh you know go back do that and it'll it'll help you combat that recency bias so are we playing gary barnard this week uh no man antonio gates is playing. <laughs> 
<laughs> so zero zero exposure like zero percent expo- yeah yeah the, the only player in that game is my man Gurley. oof i don't know man i i gotta i think i gotta get some more barnage man I, I gotta all get right me some barnage uh alec ogletree is injured so who's gonna cover him <laughs> he's unstoppable man he's unstoppable, unstoppable. <laughs> all right now but that about wraps it up for us Thank you for listening to DFS MVP Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast presented by 4 for 4 Football. We would like to ask that you please rate and review the show on iTunes. It helps us out a lot. And if you haven't, check out the 4 for 4 DFS subscription. It's winning people a lot of money. People are loving it. For more info, go to 444.com slash fantasy dash football slash DFS dash subscription. That's 444.com slash fantasy dash football slash DFS dash subscription. You can find TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez and me on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Good luck in week seven. Let's get this money. Let's get this money. Think about the years I was raised Back in the day Back in the days when I was young I'm not a kid anymore But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again Back in the days when I was young I'm not a kid anymore But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again